We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. All right, here we go. Thursday night, Knicks. Salute to Knicks Nation, everybody watching worldwide. CP from Knicks Fan checking in. One more day until the Knicks preseason kicks off. We waited nine months for this. Tonight's episode, we're going to give our preseason predictions. Knicks fans of the roundtable is definitely back. Joining me on my panel tonight, I got my guy, Pee Wee, the man of a thousand nicknames, a.k.a. Big Stacks Przingis of House of Highlights, Through the Wire podcast. My guy, Alex Trataros, the Tratacaster, back again. And making her debut is Ashley Nicole Moss from the All In with Ashley Nicole podcast. How are we feeling, guys? How are we feeling tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, absolutely, man. So one one more day until next preseason kicks off. A lot of storylines abound. P, I'm going to kick it off with you, man. What's some of the storylines you're most looking forward to seeing this season? Julius Randle, man. Um, ancient what happened. Let's get to the point, Pete. Let's rip the band-aid off. Let's get right to it. <laughs> and you know, Julius Randle isn't a bad basketball player, okay? Yeah. But you know, drafting OB and in the direction we're going, it's just there's no reason to have him. And when I look around the landscape of the NBA, it's not really many teams that I see could use Julius Randle, but you know, he has to go. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Um in our point guard position, man. What are we going to do about the point guard position? So those are my top two things going into this season. Yeah, I'm with you, man. You know, the whole Julius OB dynamic has to be answered. You know what I mean? I saw the pathway for them to get OB in the draft. I thought, you know, from what I heard, they were trying to trade Julius all offseason. I told y'all that the Conley deal, they wanted Conley. It wasn't CP3. The whole CP3 thing was smoke. It was Conley that they were trying to get in a salary dump. Doesn't seem like that door is open. So now they have OB. Now they have Julius. Both play the four. You heard Alan Hahn on the show talking about the possibility of them playing the three. I don't see it that much. You know what I'm saying? I don't see it that much. You could have a maybe a small ball situation where they're both playing the four and the five. I don't know. I, I'm not so sure. But I'm with you. How they play out the whole OB 
and and uh, and and Julius Dynamics is, is going to be interested. And I'm with you on the point guard battle, man. Peyton is back. You have DSJ, who uh, is you know the, the coach is singing his praises. He's a Tom Thibodeau type of point guard. Um, yep. Not you know had some some terrible years so far with, with Dallas, and then coming to the Knicks, a lot of injury, a lot of setbacks. So interested to see how he comes out. And, and how they use Frank, you know, how they use Frank, whether it's at the wing, whether it's at the one, the two. You know, Frank came out today, said he'll play both guard positions. Tibbs has said he loves his versatility. So um, it, it didn't sound like he, he had Frank penciled in at the one or the starting point guard. But it, it also seems like he's going to be using a lot of um, different rotations throughout the year anyway. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Al, what about you? What, what's your uh, storylines to watch for? Well, P definitely hit it on at first with the point guard situation. That's just going to be very intriguing going into the season. But the other one is Mitchell Robinson, man. You got Mitchell Robinson, all this news about Mitch, whether or not he's serious enough, whether or not uh, is he going to take that next step. You got the Neurons Noel battle that everyone's trying to hype up now between both of those guys. So I want to see how that plays out this season, if he's going to take that next step and be a true starter. Yeah, I mean, and then people, you know, there's some Instagram stories going around with Mitch. People ask me, CP, what does it mean? What does it mean? I have no idea what it means. You know what I mean? To me, it's some young boy energy. I I can't, you know, spend time trying to interpret what's going on with him. (laughs) Maybe maybe it's Nerland starting and maybe it's his person, but we got to see. Um, but like I said, I think the whole theme of camp was, you know, they want Mitch to, to get serious and, and come prepared every day, come to practice ready to work. Tibbs has said it multiple times. I've heard the same thing, and I think it's just the same tone with Mitch. So hopefully he could get right, man. That, that's my guy. Um, Ashley, I'll swing it over to you. What's, what's the storylines you're most interested in th- this season? I mean, you guys hit a bunch of them, but for me, I'm excited to see Tibbs as a coach. You know, I'm ready for this franchise to have some stability. I'm ready for them to have a coach that we can see for many, many seasons. I'm hoping (laughs) Tibbs is that guy. Um, You know, one of the things that I've always been disappointed about being a Knicks fan and just watching the franchise over the years is just it's like a revolving door. There's no stability within the franchise, and it makes it very, very difficult for you to develop anything, to develop players, to develop camaraderie, to develop a team that can hopefully win and win continually. You know, it's hard to develop chemistry when you're not with the same guys you were last season, the next season, and then your coach changes and then your ownership changes. So for me, the biggest storyline going into the season, obviously I'm not expecting the Knicks to make a playoff run. Um, I'm just looking for any signs of stability that this franchise, this team, is heading in the right direction that maybe next season, the season after that, we can start seeing that come into fruition and we can hopefully be a team that can start competing. It is about that time. We have been rebuilding long <laughs> enough. Man. I'm over it. I don't want to build yeah. anymore. No, nah, that, that's facts, man. The, the stability is something that we haven't had in, in 20 years since Jeff Van Gundy. You know, since Jeff Van Gundy was here, every coach came in and out the door. Mike D'Antoni was actually the longest tenured coach since Van Gundy. I think that was only like four years. Everybody else has done, you know, two, two and a half here and there. It's been a constant revolving door, man. So I hope that, you know, Tibbs is going to lay that foundation, the infrastructure. We got a number of assistant coaches coming in, development staff being built up. So I hope they're truly about that word that they, you know, the, the key word that they've been using all offseason has been teaching. You know, they brought in Woodson. They brought in Kenny Payne. Um, they bring in Aaron Brooks, Dave Ehrman, who, who has a reputation for defense. Um, they want to teach these young guys. So hopefully, you know, they, they back that up for sure. 
P, yeah, P, what, definitely. P, what are you um, what do you what are you looking for in Tibbs this year, man? You you're a Chicago resident, <laughs> so you familiar with Tibbs from even before the New York days? What do you see from Tibbs this off this season? First and foremost, defense. Um, you know, and that's another reason why the Julius Randle thing was my first thing because that's just not a thing that he does. Um, and if you're trying to play Obi Toppin at three and him at four, then defense can go out the window. So I don't see that at all. Yeah. Um, even with Julius Randle playing a small ball five, which I think is his future in the NBA, Me too. under Thibs, that just won't work. Um, and then when you think about a guy like Frank Nilekina, who just hasn't happened to like find his footing in the NBA, I think that can happen under a coach like Thibs. And then last but not least, that point guard position that we talked about, Dennis Smith Jr. is in the mold of like a Derrick Rose. Obviously, he's not, you know, MVP Derrick Rose anything. But when you talk about, you know, uber athletic point guard who can get both feet in the paint, make defenses collapse, I think he can do that. And um, hopefully, Thibs can unlock something there. Yeah. And um, that'll be the start, you know, like a, a domino effect for us. If Dennis Smith Jr. can come out and be that aggressive point guard, I think the rest is history as far as it's moving in the right direction. I'm with Ashley. I'm not hoping for a playoff run or anything like that, but just some stability, some consistency, consistency. and, you know, some building yeah. blocks to hopefully one day hope for a playoff push. So, you know, yeah, hard-nosed, blue-collar team, man. Facts. That, that's a facts, man. We need that identity, Al. You know, hopefully yeah. Tibbs comes in and helps us instill that sure. identity. I still think, though, Al, he's going to struggle just like every other coach here with the lineups, you know, and, and he said it. And I think he he's trying to buy himself some time as well. He said that, uh, you know, you could see um, a lot of different rotations going well into the season, which you, you kind of expect, you know, based on the short off season and everything like that. Um, very unorthodox circumstance. But I think he's going to struggle to find the right mix of the right balance offensively, defensively, who's going to be the point, who's going to be able to defend on the perimeter, um, how to best, again, utilize Mitch and Obi. Um, how, how do you think they, they work that out, Al? I don't know, man. That's going to be pretty interesting to see, right? You want Obi out there at the four because he can score. He can stretch the four. That's what we want out of this team. We didn't have any offense last year. We're in the basement. So yeah. you hope that Obi can just bring that from Dayton and just – Bring that to the team instantly. And with Mitch, you know, hopefully he can hide some of Obi's flaws on the defensive end, just being a rim blocker that he is. Hopefully he can take his game to the next level. Maybe he gets a little mid-range uh, shot going in there. You know, maybe get him to open uh, some open floor spacing so they can just roll to the rim much easier than what we had, which is just a clogged paint. That's what I think we need for both of them to just, like, coexist together. Obi giving the offense, Mitch really supplying the defense with just some nice lobs at the other end. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I think <clears throat> it's hard for me to see Obi getting a ton of minutes out the gate, like I said, just because of how fast everything is coming together. So I still think mm-hmm. they you're still going to need Julius's offense. You know, that's that's 20 and 10, bro. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, you can't just put that on the bench and say, well, we're going to go with the young guys. Like, you still need Julius's productivity out there. And so, again, it's going to be interesting to see how they balance that um, and and – is there a trade out there to be made for Julius Randle come midseason when then you start to see OB get um, a, a bulk load of the minutes? So, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was one of the things when OB was drafted, that was the first thing that came to mind. Obviously, these guys are not going to play together for the long term. Um, one of them is going to get traded, and obviously that person is going to be Julius Randle. Um, I think, though, that I don't have a problem with Obi if, you know, Tibbs decides to bring him off the bench sometimes to have him learn. I don't think, again, this is a learning curve for the Knicks. I think that's one of the benefits 
of not necessarily being a playoff contender is that you can kind of take a back seat and and go at your own pace. And that's what the Knicks are able to do right now. They don't have the pressure of having to compete for a championship. They don't Mm -hmm. have that window that's closing. They also don't have that pressure of being a playoff team. If they make it bottom seeds of the playoffs, it would be like a miracle, but it's Mm -hmm. not expected. So when things aren't expected of you, it really helps a team kind of learn and grow, which is what the Knicks need to do. I'm expecting this Knicks team to not be somebody that's going to compete this season even next season, if it's not, they're not a contender, I'm okay with that. I just want a team that starts to build in the right direction. And I think this is the season you start doing that. True indeed. True indeed. So to everybody in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. How are we looking? We got over 1,000 people in the chat. Hit that thumbs up button. You know what to do. Salute to everybody once again. Salute to everybody watching on Facebook as well. And uh, let's take some calls before we get into our preseason predictions uh, let me hear from my guy, Will, from L.I. real quick. Will, what's going on, bro? Hey, what's going on, CP, Perry, Alex, Ashley? How you guys doing this, uh, this Hi. evening? How you doing, bro? What's good, Will? Good, good, good. Yeah, man, first things first, bro. We got to talk about the the, the, <laughs> the the debacle that you just set off on Twitter after the last show. <laughs> man, let, me, let me just say this, dog. Let me just say this, man. I don't understand. Look, one thing is, and you and I, I'm trying to tell you because you know you're older than me, and everybody here probably is. It's just like with with success comes the haters, and what I saw was just crazy. Like obviously nobody wants Mitch to, nobody wants to paint Mitch into a bad light. But you know, it's you got to show him tough love. Like he needs to be able to. This is not a rodeo anymore. This isn't a circus that Fizdale was running, this is a team now, okay? Tibbs is going to hold these guys accountable. You got to come to practice, you have to to show up, and you have to do your job. So it's just like, it's not to say, you know, like everybody knows, like if if everybody that was hating, if they did watch the show, if they did watch the show, they would know how you feel about Mitch and how you're supporting, you know, Mitch please and, and your shirts and all this other stuff. So it's just like, why would you purposely want to paint him in a bad light? You got a source, and then shout out for you for getting sources, and you showed the source. So I don't (laughs) really see what all that hate was about. Just know that you gave us a platform here to to talk about our Knicks. So if it ever gets crazy in those Twitter streets, we got your back. Just know that. Oh, no, I feel you, bro. That was my little rant. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah, you got more. All right, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, that was my bad, yeah. For, for this season, man, I, I'm not expecting too much. Just, just like Ashley said, I, I'm expecting the worst. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that DSA is going to build a brick house. Uh, Frank <laughs> is going to fall off. Of, uh, no, not Frank. Uh, uh, Knox is going to fall off a cliff. I mean, the only positive plays I'm looking forward to is RJ and Hope. You know, so whatever this season brings, I'm ready for it just because we're at rock bottom. You can only go from there. Can't, yeah, I keep doing yeah. your thing. I'm Can't get there. worse. Later. P, P, you look, you look perplexed, man. Which, <laughs> all for preparing for the worst, but we gotta have some hope in these guys, man. We can't come yeah. in saying that Kevin Knox is gonna fall off a cliff. Like we gotta have some type of hope in these young guys because they're they're the future. Like these are yeah. the picks that we made, so we need them to be useful in some type of way. I'm not saying we gotta hope that Kevin Knox is gonna be an all star someday, but 
we need him to be a rotational piece because, I mean, the more yeah. these guys fail, the more it backsets us. You know what I mean? So yeah. I want us to have some hope. Uh, realistically, are all three of these guys, Frank, Dennis, and Kevin, going to make a leap? Probably not. But if we can hope and get one, I think that's good enough, you know? So yeah. have some hope in the young guys, man. Don't Don't write them off yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, it's going to be a tough stretch, like I said, jumping out the gate, right? They got to get chemistry together. They got to figure out lineups. Um, and they haven't played in, in nine months of organized ball. So it's going to be ugly. It's, it's going to be very sloppy. Yeah. And that's what I would expect going into tomorrow's game. But at the same time, you know, we were kind of talking about this before we went live. Like, it's not it's not an official bubble but the fact that you have no fans, especially at MSG, yeah. probably the most hostile place they ever going to play. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that that's a plus for a lot of these guys like a DSJ, like a Knox, like a Frank, who it seems like confidence is a very big issue with them. You know what I mean? Now they just get to go in. It's almost like a pickup game. Like they in the gym, just go out and bowl. And I think that's going to be big, especially for DSJ, Kev, um, Frank. You know, look at a lot of the guys that balled out in the bubble. Um you know, Gary Trent Jr., even MPJ. You know, yes, he had a lot more minutes, but you saw a lot more confidence in, in a lot of guys when they went into the bubble. There was no, you know, fans in the atmosphere, no heckling, and they just went out and just did their job. So I, I think that's going to benefit yeah. a lot of these young Knicks for sure. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Just to piggyback off that, you know, I spoke to a lot of guys who were in the bubble and, you know, that was the main thing was that it kind of even the playing field for a lot of guys, right. for a lot of teams rather, who were not expected to perform that well in the playoffs because you remove a lot of the quote-unquote distractions. There are There is no home court advantage. There is no traveling. There are no fans. And that can be the most hostile part of a game, especially in the Garden, especially nice. in a city like New York. So, again, it's going back to that learning curve. You're really – you have all the ingredients there to have a really great learning season, if you will. You know, the game's essentially going to be a bubble without the restrictions. You will still yep. be able to go home and see your families and your girlfriends and your wives and, you know, whoever you have at home, your friends, you'll be able to stick to your routine in terms of working out, you know, your nutrition, your diet's not going to be restricted. You don't have to eat certain foods. You have your personal chef. So it's the bubble environment in the sense there's going to be no fans, that home court advantage, you mm. lose that. But you don't have that mental weight on you like they did in the bubble because you're completely removed from your environment and the things that you're used to. So I completely agree with you. I think that's only going to be beneficial to these guys. Now, we don't know if no fans is going to continue throughout all 72 games this season, but at least for the first half, it's definitely going to be great for them. And I'm, I'm yeah. excited. I'm, I'm, I feel that we're lucky to have this moment where they can kind of learn it and do that without the stress of the fans. Yeah. I definitely agree with you there. And then, listen, Will, on, on Will's first point, um, listen, it, it is what it is, man. People people got pissed at me. They thought I was trying to drag Mitch out. I basically just came out and said, you know, basically what was being reported in the papers, which people took umbrage with, from what I'm hearing, is true. That's all I said. People got pissed. Oh, he's bringing them down. He's trying to drag them, this, that, and the third. They didn't like the fact that I said DSJ and Alfred were in the runnings for the point. I didn't say Frank wasn't starting. I didn't say they named the starter. I just said, here's who's the favorites right now. And they got big mad at your boy, bro. They were pissed. <laughs> that Knicks fan TV had sources. I, I don't know. What, what do you want me to say, man? What do you want me to say, Al? I don't, I don't get it, man. I think everyone just wants Frank Nolakina just to be the starting point guard and to call it a day. I think the Frank Hive is really just out there in the streets right now. They're just chanting for this kid. After they saw the Alan Hahn interview, man, they just want Frank just to be that guy at this point. Just 
that's what it seems, man. And like with regards to Mitch, you know, you're just reporting. You're hearing. You're 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 telling what you're hearing. It's not yeah. saying that these are like. That's it. You know, this is what I feel about Mitch. You know, yeah. I don't. That's not what you're saying. You're just saying nope. this is what my sources are giving me, and this is what is going on in camp right now. That's and it. us as fans should just be like, all right, you know, and then give us like we either take it in, be like. Well, now we have like a better, like clear version of like what Mitch needs to do, or we can just, Facts. as your haters just came out and said, like, "Yo, what are you even talking about, man? Mitch is the greatest <laughs> thing on earth. He can do no wrong. Yo, we need more of that uh, Mitch interview stuff. Come on, that's, <laughs> that's all, that's man. But listen, I didn't even have to say anything because people like Will, people, you know, they they were swinging on the haters on Twitter, bro. I didn't have to say anything. There was haters getting dragged for days, bro. I, I was good to go, man. So. It's all fun, man. If you're not having fun doing this, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So I definitely appreciate uh, that the animosity that came my way. Let me hear from my guy, Triple M. Triple M, what's going on, bro? Yeah, what's going on, my boy? <laughs> what, what, what's good, my dude? How, how you feeling, man? How you feeling, bro? Yo, P, Ashley, what's good? Hey, yo, what's going on, yeah. my people? Yo, let me make a quick point real quick. You know, like everybody's saying today, we're not expecting much from this season. We just want to see some growth from the people, from the team, the young guys. You know me, CP. I'll be sipping on my little tequila here <laughs> on the on the tequila. side. So we went one preseason game. I'm already talking about playoffs, man. So don't get me started. Right. CP, I want to bring up a quick point with you, though, my guy. Mm-hmm. You see, uh, CBA is going to go crazy. You know, nobody could expect this pandemic. I want to hear your thoughts about if the NBA brings this amnesty back, man. What do you think about us picking up contract here and there, man? I heard the amnesty. I haven't heard much about it, but I need I needed to hear my thoughts. Yeah. You already know what's up. Triple M in the building. I'm going to highlight you. Triple, triple M, the, the, the tequila animal. That, that boy's <laughs> a tequila feed, man. That's, that's my guy, man. He's always turned up at MSG. Uh, love, love hanging out with him. I don't know. I don't know, Al. Did you hear anything about them bringing um, the amnesty back? I didn't hear anything about that about the CBA. It was. Or Ashley. I think it was just like a. It was just like a nice talking point. Yeah. During the break of thinking, like, what could you do with the amnesty clause if it came back? That's what I kind of gathered from that whole experience. I don't think there's. I mean, it would be nice, you know, Joe Kim Noah yeah. if we had that. Um, I, I don't really know too much about. It. I don't think it could be. I'm not really sure to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I didn't hear anything about that one way or the other. Um, I'll try to bring back um, Brandon Williams, who, who's the uh, the assistant GM of the Kings, the old assistant GM. I'll see what he's hearing, but I haven't heard anything about that. Knicks still have $18 million in cap space left, man. So, again, if if they don't reach the floor, which is about, I think they have about 8 to $10 million left to spend. If they don't reach that by the end of the season, then that difference will get spread across the roster. Yeah. So we'll see. I think they're going to be sitting idly by. Uh, we'll talk about the Harden stuff later on. I think they could try to, you know, make their way as, as a three, as a third team to to try to, you know, take on some salary and, and make that that Harden trade happen. So uh, they got a lot of options. De- definitely have a lot of options. Um, P preseason awards, man. Who's who's your sixth man prediction for this season? Sixth man of the year for the Knicks this season. I'm going Austin Rivers, man. Ooh, okay. Uh, wow. I just think that um, when Austin Rivers, his history, when he's given an opportunity, mm-hmm. he takes it and he runs with it. You know what I mean? Um, this is a, a unique situation for a guy like Austin. He's never been on a team like this where he can kind of gun. Yeah. He's always played with, like, Chris Paul, right. Blake Griffin, 
DeAndre Jordan when he was an all-star. Uh, he went to Washington, played with Bradley Beal, John Wall, Houston, Chris Paul and Harden, Russ and Harden. And even early in his career, when he was drafted by the Hornets, they tried to like force him to be a point guard mm-hmm. um, when he's a scorer. So I think coming on his team, um, taking that responsibility of, of trying to be a leader and establish yourself. We saw that with his, his first interview, uh, said a lot of good things and won a lot of Nick fans over. And I think he just has to fall in line to nobody. I mean, we don't have a solidified all-star or solidified yeah. go-to guy. Uh, look at what Mook did last season. I'm not saying he's going to mirror anything that Mook did, right. but I just think the type of role of I can shoot the ball and be me and play with that mentality without anybody, you know, to answer to. I think it, when you're playing with a guy like Harden that anytime he claps the ball, you pretty much have to give it to him yeah. or Chris Paul, anybody like that. It's a lot different than when you come here and, you know, it's Frank Nielakino on the side of you or Kevin Knox. You're just going to go. And I think Austin Rivers is going to have some big nights in the garden. Big he's nights. another player that can benefit from no fans. Um, and I think just having nobody to answer to again uh, is going to allow him to get a rhythm. You know, his nice. history says that when, when he's given – the opportunity and ha- to have a rhythm, you know, he'll, he'll thrive. That's what scorers do. Scorers mm-hmm. have to have rhythm. You know, it's only Lou Will and Jamal Crawford can thrive in, in, in those unique situations. But I look at like Austin Rivers last season with the Clippers, the most minutes and most opportunity he had, and that was his best season. Mm-hmm. Shot the, the three his best that year, 15 points a game, four assists, and I think he can probably get just as much opportunity here and mirror, you know, the same production. So Austin Rivers is my pick. Yeah, I thought those were all excellent points, man. And and that could have been the reason New York appealed to him. You know, in his yeah. uh, training camp media sessions, he said that, um, you know, he had opportunity to go to playoff teams. The rest of the teams that were interested in him were yeah. all playoff teams. We know that Philly was one of them. They said that Doc uh, told Philly not to get him. He, he told the son go to New York. So maybe the opportunity to really just let it fly, be himself, uh, uh, appealed to him. Uh, Al, where are you going with your, with your six-man choice? I'm going to say that the bounce back for Dennis Smith Jr., man. I got oh, okay. I got faith in the young guy. I think we saw what he could do in Dallas the first year. We saw what he did with Luka for a little bit, even though it didn't really he didn't want to play with Luka. And even when he came to New York, we saw that short like burst of him like scoring like close to 15 points per game. He was just getting you uh, five assists per game as well. I think we're going to see him have a bounce back year. I think he, you know, last year was just an anomaly. He had everything that could possibly go wrong, go wrong for him with losing his stepmom, the multiple injuries, the, especially the lower back issue. You just saw he was just not comfortable being out there. Losing David Fisdale, who probably had the most confidence with him, in him. And then you had Mike Miller, who was just like, I need to win. I want to solidify a job. And, you know, you're injured right now. I'm going to use Frank Nilakina and I'm going to use Alfred Payne because he's the two steadiest guys that I have right now. I can't really try to develop you i think you're going to have someone in tibbs who we've heard has like respect for dsj's game who liked him when he was coming out of college and then i think he's going to like just like just focus on him and just not hang him out to dry like we saw with fizzdale where it's like all right man play 15 minutes we'll see you get seven turnovers we're going to hear the we're going to hear the guard and just chant for frank nilakino like we're not going to see that and i think we're going to see dsj just come back make a bounce back be that guy that he was and you know, especially if he doesn't start, he if he was playing with the second unit, he can have that confidence, feast on like uh, the bench, bench opposing bench players, and just get back into a rhythm. Man, I think this is going to be that time for him. Bounce back year for DSJ. Alex is putting it out there. Well, if it's six man, then you, then I guess you're going with with Alfred or, or Frank to start it off. It's going to be Elf to start because I just think Tim's yeah. going to need a vet, and he's got to you got to have someone that can just like steer the ship on a, on an easy, steady level. It's 
Frank can't attack the lane. Uh, you know, talked about it. He made improvements. He's not. He doesn't attack the lane as much as Tibbs wants. We saw with like Nate Robinson when he had him. Kirk Heinrich. These guys got to get into the paint. Peyton, as yeah. much as people don't like Peyton, he attacks the paint. So <laughs> yeah, I, I mean Peyton's still the steady hand, as we know, and and I think Tibbs will see that he can trust him. But I hope I hope DSJ can take it. I don't, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be able to win the job. Um, mm-hmm. Ashley, where where are you going? I'm actually torn between two. Um, it's going to be either Reggie Bullock or Julius Randle. I think Julius Randle is going to start, but if, for whatever reason, he does not. I think, you know, when you have somebody invading your territory necessarily, like Obi Toppin is going to, it kind of puts some desperation in you, kind of puts some fire under you. And I think we're going to see one of Julius Randle's best seasons with the Knicks. I think mm-hmm. he is going to be dominant on both sides of the ball. And I'm excited to see it because I've been waiting for that from Julius Randle. I think I get glimpses of it, but I never get it for an entirety of a season. I think this is the season that he's going to do it. Reggie Bullock, kind of the same situation, except, you know, I don't think he's going to have the same desperation, but I'm excited to see him. I think he's more likely to come off the bench than Julius Randle will. Like I said, I think Julius Randle's going to be a starter. So it's going to be between one of those two guys. But again, going back to the learning curve, I mean, either way you slice it, if I get a six-man performance from either of those guys, I'm happy. It's a good season because, again, this is not a year we're going to the playoffs. I just want to see what these guys are made of. I want to see what Julius Randle is really made of. I want to see what Reggie Bullock is really made of. And this is the year to show it because there is no added pressure. Show me what yeah. you got. And that's simple as that. I dig it. I dig it. I'm going to go with um, I'm going with Alec Burks. I'm going, I'm going with Alec Burks. 15 right. points a game, 40% from three. You're going to need his offense. There's no doubt about it. He's going to play major minutes uh, with Austin Rivers now. They're saying he, he might miss the entire preseason, um, uh, P, with, with the groin injury. I think guys like Alec Burks will get a better opportunity, Frank, even quickly. But from Burks, again, he gives you versatility. He can play the two. He can play some three. He played a lot of, uh, at the point for, yeah. for Summit Golden State, a lot with Philly. You know, it, with Tibbs trying to struggle and, and, you know, manage those rotations, maybe you see uh, bigger lineups with Burks out there, RJ, Frank. You know, you could run a lot of variations, but again, you, you have his offense. He has the ability to create for himself, especially the Knicks with 30th and half-court offense. You know, so they're going to need a guy that can get out there, get his own shot off when he needs to. Um, top of the league, top 25% in drawing fouls as well. Yeah. Very critical. So you have a guy that can force the issue. He's smart. He knows what to do with it. And I think Burks, Burks is my guy for, for six, man. For sure. Not mad at it. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. So to everybody in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Throw your six man pick in the chat. We'll throw, we'll pick some comments out and comment on it. Chat is going crazy right now. I can't even read it, but we got uh, 1700 <laughs> in the building. So make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And uh, let's get back to the phones. Let me hear from my guy, Leroy from Atlanta. Leroy, how you feeling, bro? Hey, CP, how are you? Pierre, how are you? Good, man. Good, how you doing, bro? How you doing? Hey, um, I kind of agree with Burke as the secret weapon coming off as a six-man. I think he's a valuable tool. I think think he has the maturity to fit into any system, and I think he's going to work out well because of the fact that He's a mature and experienced ball player able to fit into Tibbs' system. I think uh, this year I'm looking forward to watching Tibbs because as we evaluate the Knicks, you know, one of the things I hear people do that 
kind of gets kind of nerve wracking is to keep on evaluating the Knicks based on the past. You know, you know, basketball is the only corporation in the world where people, number one, always refer to a corporate structure based on the past. It has nothing to do with the present structure just because everybody names the man John Dolan as the president of the team. You've got to look at the mindset and the experience of the present people that are there. And Tibbs is an experienced coach. If we look at Tibbs and he looks at the ball player and he says this ball player doesn't have it, we don't need to be fussing about Tibbs about this. He's got too much experience. That ball player doesn't have it. I think that's important. I think uh, my whole thoughts about the Knicks is we've needed, and I think, Ashley, I agree with 100%, we've needed a stable coach over the years, and I think we have one now. I also think that we're overlooking some things because whenever NBA, the NBA is a copycat league. If somebody says somebody doesn't play defense, they don't even watch his videos. They don't even watch them. They just say what everybody else says. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with the NBA, why it's not innovative enough, because whenever we listen to something, we just say the same things. The truth of the matter is you can't just evaluate a rookie based on his videos from his college team because in the college, he only is allowed to do what the coach allows him to do. College is very restricting, and there's a lot of things about Obi that's going to shock people. One of the ways you can look at Obi and say, well, what is he? What is his potential? you got to realize Obi is one of those ball players that had that growth spurt. The value of an NBA ball player is the growth spurt that they have at certain points in their lives. And a lot of the top ball players that we look at, the reason why they're so valuable in the NBA is because they have this outrageous growth spurt between their high school and their college years. Obi had that. But people need to ask themselves the question, what was Obi playing when he was in high school? What position was he playing in high school? Yeah. Because the one thing you can't overlook is no matter what the skill development of the ball player is, you've got to look at his mindset. Yeah. And the biggest problem I see with a lot of the Knicks, they got great abilities. They're, you know, like Frank Nilekin, he's got a great body. He has a size for NBA ball player. But a lot of NBA ball players can never go any further than their mindset. Yeah. If their mindset isn't a certain place, we're wasting valuable time with okay. them because they just can't fit them mentally to what Got you it. want them to do. And I think that's a big problem. Thanks right. for the Thanks, time, bro. guy. Thanks, Have a Leroy. great night. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, listen, I, I think OB has a lot more to his game than just, you know, explosiveness and dunking and things like that. You know, my show, Court Vision, is coming out tomorrow, and we, we're going to actually take a deep dive on that. You know, some of the intricacies of, of OB's game that's more than just, again, you know, the highlight dunks and, and the alley-oops and stuff like that. Um, as far as him, you know, you saying that the, the past isn't an indicator of the future, especially with Tibbs, I mean – all we have to go by is what we've seen in the past. And it's been a rotating door of coaches. You know, go all the way back to Larry Brown. Go all the way back to D'Antoni, this guy, that guy. Every time they get a big-name coach and you think it's supposed to go a certain way, it goes south. So that's all we have to go by right now. So, you know, obviously, yeah, we're optimistic. But I think a lot of times it's cautiously optimistic for a reason. You know what I'm saying? What do you guys think? I 100%. Yeah. Go ahead, T. Um, you know, all, yeah. I mean, we have we have nothing to look at but the past. You right. have to kind of do the past. Um, I know he. I feel what he was saying. You don't want to hang your hat on the past, but I mean, that's just the way that the NBA works. You know, if a, if a guy is signed to a contract, it's probably a big contract. It's probably because of what he just did in that past year. Um, you know, even a draft prospect, Obi Toppin was picked because of what he just did in the past year. So, 
we do live in the past a little bit too much, but I think it's, it's rightfully so. Um, the history, especially for the Knicks, you just hit it on the head, CP. It's all we know is to get the big-time coach that we're all happy about, and then, you know, two or three years later, it's a disaster. So it's a disaster. Hope, hope for the best, man. Ashley, you were saying something? No, I completely agree. I was going to say almost essentially the same thing. I think you have no choice but to gauge your future based on your past. You know, there's a saying, if you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. Yeah. So I think knowing our history is going to help us prevent from repeating it, hopefully. And I think whenever you draft a player, especially when it's a top 10 draft pick, you're gauging his performance, which is in the past. When it comes to our coaching experience, or rather lack thereof keeping our coaches mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. within the franchise, you have no choice but to look at the past so that we don't make the same mistakes. I think the key to this season is not putting the pressure on Tibbs, knowing that it is not going to be a winning season, not expecting him to work a miracle in one season is going to be the key in continuing having him as a coach and keeping that continuity within this franchise that we so desperately need. Do not put the pressure on his shoulders. Do not expect him to part the Red Sea and be a miracle worker. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen this season. That's a fact. That's a fact. Um, Al, obviously, rookie of the year pick for the team is is unanimously Obi. But how about quickly, man? You know, quickly, the the coach is saying that he's coming in tip-top shape. Uh, again, we talked about the Austin Rivers injury could spell opportunity for quickly. We'll see what, how Tibbs feels about inserting him into the rotation. What do you think about quickly's prospects this year for this team? I think with Austin Rivers being out for the beginning of this preseason, we should see a little bit of quickly coming out. Tibbs already spoke about how he can just shoot the lights out. Apparently like he has that top, that top trait that you want in the NBA. And he's, you know, he's demonstrating it in practice and quickly, you know, he talks a big game, saying that he wants to get better every day. He looks to improve every single day. We look at his numbers from college. You know, if we're going to look at that pass, he shot 42% from three. He shot 92% from the line. You can see that he can do that. Uh, I think the one thing for quickly, though, is to maintain consistency. When he was at Kentucky, you know, he had some games that he would just go off, and then there were some games they would just be cold. And I think it's just maintaining that that steadiness for him to really get a true shot this first year, especially during the preseason while Austin Rivers is out. P, how about you? Love Emmanuel quickly. Um, had a chance to interview him after he got drafted that's, by the Knicks. That's right. That's right. How, how was that experience? It was good. Uh, good kid. Great kid. Uh, faith-driven. Uh, a lot of lot yeah. of confidence, like Al said. And I think he comes from that Kentucky culture where those guys are, are kind of um, molded to play for an, a Nick team and, and to be in the guard and to handle the pressure and the bright lights of New York City and the media. Um, so I'm not – I don't think he'll be phased by that at all. I think it's about – uh, the opportunity, you know what I mean? I think young guys have to grow by playing basketball. The whole uh, developing on the bench, it just it just doesn't work. He has to see the floor, and, and hopefully, like Alex said, he gets some rotational minutes because Austin Rivers' injury um, in the preseason. But I think defense and shooting is what he can bring, yeah. and that's the two you know most valuable things in the NBA right now uh, when you look at supporting cash role players. And I think he offered, offers that. Uh, from day one, so I'm 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 super excited to have him. 
Um, and I can't wait to see the impact that he has. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And and quickly is my sleeper pick on, on the list. I, I just think, you know, a, a kid that can shoot 40% like this, I'll wait for the rest of his game to, to materialize, whether it's can he play the point or how well he can defend. Right now, even if it's just in catch-and-shoot situations, spot-up situations, let me see him out there in lineups with Julius, with Obi, with RJ. Maybe not all, obviously not all together, but I'm saying as those guys, as, as the – primary uh, initiators of the offense or, or playmakers um, to get it out here, out there to quickly, who's going to space it for you, knock it down 90% from the free throw stripe. Knicks have been a, a tr- atrocious free throw shooting team. Um, I think quickly could certainly help us stay in, in spots for sure. As you yeah, get on your, on your, on your quick. Yeah, 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 definitely. He's my sleeper as well. There's something about those kids that come out of that Kentucky program that's just special. I mean, I can't name one off the top of my head that has been bad so far. I think the most recent that stands out to me, Bam Adebayo. I remember when he was drafted from Kentucky, one of the things that Pat Riley was so impressed was not necessarily his game. You know, his shooting wasn't that great when he first came into the league. It was that preparation. It was that mentality. And I mm-hmm. think people underestimate just how valuable valuable that is. You can't necessarily teach that. That is something that is learned, and that is something that becomes a habit over your basketball playing career. And it's something that a lot of people take for granted. But coaches, front offices, franchise love that because you can improve a guy's shooting. You can't mm-hmm. always improve his mindset. And you know, I think quickly is one of those guys who's willing to do the work. He's willing to get better. And that's all you can ask for. And he has the natural talent. It's already there. Kentucky's one of the best programs in the country. They train their guys well. They teach their guys well. So the 100%. ceiling is he hasn't even reached his potential. The ceiling is high for him. But that mentality, his work ethic is special. Yeah. And that's what the Knicks need. They need that in that locker room. Yeah, hopefully all that Kentucky juju, they get that on Kevin Knox, man. I need some some of that Kentucky <laughs> holy water. We got to revive Kevin Knox, yeah. man. We need Kevin back. Oh, man. Um, I tried to forget that. I tried to yeah, forget that Yeah, one. That's, that might that's be an outlier, but we still got to yeah. be a little outlier. Uh, most improved. Al, okay, who's, who's, who's going to be your most improved this season? R.J. R. Barrett, man. Just, it's going to be R.J. Barrett. The You just saw when he came into camp – where it's like the feeling about not making the all-rookie team. Mm-hmm. You know, he felt like he had some... You saw the look in his eye that he was just determined to, like, make a big jump this season. I think he's going to show that he can, you know, be that guy, that cornerstone that Knicks fans want to see out of him. Uh, I I would see him, like, improving and shooting this season. That's really where it has to come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he's the type, of guy, the type of guy that's been putting the work in this inter- during this entire time off from not playing and getting ready for that season. I think he's the one that's going to make that next week that we want to see. One, I 100% agree. Uh, P, who's who's your pick? Dennis Smith Jr., man. Um, mm-hmm. Like Alex mentioned earlier in the show, he just had a tough year last year. You know what I mean? Um, the injuries, the passing, it's, it, that, that stuff is just – it's always hard to gauge because, you know, everybody's, you know, different mentally. So the, how, how you handle that, I can't, I can't really – um, imagine going through that. So I can't blame him for, for all of that. But um, the number change, I look at things like that. He's wearing number four now, a uh, number he's worn in high school and college. feel like getting his swagger back, got his hair cut. Uh, I'm digging his interviews and his, his tone and, and just his presence. I feel like he's focused. Uh, I feel like it's always refreshing to have a fresh start, clean slate, new coach, um, who everybody knows Thibs has been a fan of Dennis Smith Jr. since college. So to have that kind of confidence in, from a coach, um, it's going to be refresher for him. And I think since he has that game 
you know, that, that attacking point guard mentality that Thibs like, he's going to get a lot of opportunity, and I can see him thriving, man. So I, I got Dennis Smith Jr., and I'm I'm ready to bet the house on DSJ. <laughs> I, I started. I started, man. I, I put him in my ideal lineup. I said this is it. I, I, I basically had the same sentiments that I had last year. He let me down, but this is it. It's now or never. If it's not on the tapes, I don't think it's going to happen for him. I'm hoping it happens for him. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see DSJ. Uh, Ashley, where are you going? I'm going to go against the grain here. I have R.J. Barrett somewhere else. So I'm going to go with Mitchell Robinson. I think that he's going to improve his overall shot this season. I think he's also going to work on not getting pushed around like he was in previous seasons. I think we're going to see a new and improved Mitchell Robinson. And I'm hoping, I need to see that. I need him to start reaching that potential that I know he has in him. I'm not willing to give up on Mitchell Robinson. That is my guy. He is, listen, I'm, I'm hoping this is the year. This is the year we're going to start seeing what Mitchell Robinson can become. And um, he has a lot of things that he needs to check off his list. Like I said, that shooting definitely needs to improve. I need to see a more dynamic player, a more dominant player when it comes to defense. I just, I need to see him get aggressive out there. I want to see yeah. him get angry. I think he has so much potential. I think he has not even reached his plateau. He hasn't even reached the ceiling that I think he can hit. And I want to start seeing him tread in that direction. It's about time. This is like, again, this is the the topic is is learning. That is the phrase for the season. Yeah. Learn, get better, start that transition into what you were and what you want to be. This is the season that we need to see that. So that's, that's who I got. Good points. Good points indeed. Um, I'm with Alex. I'm going RJ, man. I'm going RJ because the shooting statistics can't get any worse because <laughs> at, at 40%, 32% from three, 61% from the free throw line. I mean, look, I was caping for him for that rookie team stuff, you know, and I don't get caught up in it, but I, you know, I wanted him to get some respect. I wanted the Knicks to get some respect, but I mean, you know, the shooting numbers were abysmal P. 44% effective field goal percentage, 10th percentile. His free throw percentage put him in the 4th percentile. 32% from 3. 54% at the rim. You got to finish. You have to finish. And a guy, because at the same time, he's in the 92nd percentile and drawing fouls. So if you're going to draw fouls at that rate, you have to convert. These are free points. This is what Tibbs wants. He wants to attack the rim. He wants to get free throws. He wants to get the corner threes. Some of those areas, RJ can be the aggressor, and then he can be the playmaker and get his guys um, um, open opportunities. But at his usage rate last year, you know, it, it, the, the shooting the shooting numbers were just abysmal. And and obviously, you know, they didn't do a great job spacing for him. The chemistry was an issue. All that is is uh, is valid. But I think the shooting numbers overall have to Im- improve, and, and I think they will. I'm with Alex. I, I think he'll have the drive to get out there and improve. It can't get any worse because his Let's numbers last so. year were abysmal, bro. Let's hope so, man. Let's hope so. Facts. I mean, we saw at the end of last season, right, where he started to come on late in March. So I think he has it in him. Mm-hmm. He definitely has that look in his eye. He definitely has that feeling that he's going to like take that next step. And he wants to he wants to prove everyone wrong. He just wants to do it. You just see it in his eye. I, I got yeah. so much faith in yeah. RJ. He's got the pedigree to do it too. 
Yeah, I, I agree, man. I agree. Listen, the bully ball is there. You know that's going to be his A game, but he's got to convert. He has to finish. And then, again, the, just, he's leaving too many points at the free throw line. 61% is just not going to do it. He's got to get that up there, the 70, 73, 75. That's where Jimmy's hovering around. And, um, again, you know, even if he gets to 36 you know, percent from three, he doesn't have to be a knockdown three-point shooter, but a timely three-point shooter. And I think that's what Jimmy showed you as well um, and, and how he could raise his game. So definitely interesting to see how RJ gets it in in year two for sure. Uh, so to everybody in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. How many we got? 2,100 in the chat. The chat is lit tonight. 11 o'clock is late night on the East Coast. Appreciate you rocking with us. Um, let's take another quick call. Let's go to... Who I want to hear from? Let me hear from my guy, Ron Cleveland. Ron, what's going on, bro? Man, 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 <laughs> man. <laughs> Ashley, What up? You all ready, man? Hey, that's Chad. I know you all ready for tomorrow night. You heard me? Man, let's get right into it. Hey, I'm telling y'all right now, man, the, the thing that I'm so happy about with our Nick, and y'all bear with me, man, the thing, the thing I'm excited about, no more front office malpractice. You heard me? No more of that. <laughs> you got Leon Rose. He's going to do the thing the right way. And what I love the most is we went back to the roots. The roots, the essence. We went and got Tom Thibodeau, who I wanted here years ago. That guy is going to instill what it means to be a Nick. He remembered those glory days in the garden. We're going to get back to that foundation. Now, let's look at this lineup. My sixth man, it ain't even a question. It's Emmanuel Quickly. Hmm. Reports coming out that the guy is the first one in the practice, you know, well, arriving early, leaving late. And let's just look at his numbers at Kentucky. Senior year, the guy shot 92% from the free throw line. Shot 40% from the three-point line. Well, 43%. Yeah. And Tim's even talked about that, his shooting. So that, that's too powerful to just leave buried on the bench. We're going to find a spot for that kid. And when you look at his game, bulldog mentality coached by Cal. And I'm telling you all, man, my my breakout player, I'm, hey, Kevin Knott, <laughs> I'm thinking going to be that guy, man. <laughs> Really, the slate is clean in my book for all these guys. I'm not passing no judgment on none of these guys until about 20 games in. Then I'm going to tell you who I think should stay and who should be <laughs> on that first thing smoking out of LaGuardia. You heard me? It's so probably going to be Kevin Dodds. Next family, let's get ready to ride. All it's right. a new season. There's a new sheriff in town. Man, man, man. <laughs> Appreciate you, Rod. We got to get those Ron Cleveland t-shirts made, man. I've been slacking for like two years, man. Well, good to hear from you. Yo, let's go to the UK, man. It's late night in the UK. Sam, what's going on? How you feeling? Yo, what's going on, everybody? I'm a huge fan, long time, but it's the first time I'm calling in due to the uh, hours and shit going on. Just wanted to say I'm thankful for you guys. appreciate you being here for the start of the season. I just wanted to ask how you guys felt the chemistry between Julius and Mitch would be if uh, Obi doesn't get the start and see how it might be for Mitch's development going forward to be paired with someone like Julius, given all of his issues last season, uh, going into a new coaching regime. I hope that may be fixed. Just wanted to say 
yeah, that point, really. And I hope you guys have a good night. Enjoy the uh, weekend. Appreciate Thanks. it, Sam. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Um, Julius and Mitch. Yeah, I thought, Alan, I thought last year um, the chemistry was right between Julius and Mitch. I, I, I actually thought the two-man game, um, two-man lineup with them was, was pretty good. I thought what you saw was that, uh, you know, Julius obviously complimented where Mitch was lacking, which was on the offensive and defensive glass. And, and mm-hmm. uh, that was very key because if we didn't have that, we would have gotten eaten alive on the boards. I, th- I thought Julius did a great job of that. Definitely want to see, as Ashley said, uh, Mitch get more aggressive on the boards in, in that regard. Um, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think there was, there was much of an issue. I mean, Al, what, what did you see between Julius and, uh, and Mitch last year? I don't think there's anything wrong with their chemistry at all. Yeah. Like you, you pointed out already, Julius was cleaning up on the glass. You had Mitch just knocking it down like with dunks. They both... It, it was just cluttered. That's really what it was because we didn't have any shooters. So mm-hmm. maybe that's where he's getting at. But even with that much clutter, they were still very effective. Julius Randle was a 2010 machine, and you had Mitch who led the NBA in the field goal percentage. So so it wasn't too much of an issue. And if you're asking if they like each other or not, I'm, I think they do. It doesn't seem like they have anything against each other. I don't know where you're trying. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't really see though that pairing as kind of like a sticking point. I mean, P, what do you think? Uh, between those two, there's no issue. There's no issue at all. My my issue with it is R.J. Barrett. Um, mm-hmm. You guys talked about R.J. being your most improved and all of these high hopes for. And I, I'm a Nick fan, so I'm rooting for him. He's our third overall pick. He's our future to hope or whatever. But it, it, he he's not going to be able to be that guy if the front court is Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson, uh, especially if your point guard is Alfred Payton, Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett is going to be a player who's going to thrive with spe- specific type of players around him, right. and, and that is going to be shooting. And as long as there's no shooting, my expectation can't be high for R.J. Barrett. I don't want people to misconstrue what I'm saying. Like, I have nothing against him. Um, yeah. But just seeing what I know um, for all of the years I've watched him, high school, college, if he doesn't have the shooting, man, it's It's going to be, it's gonna be tough. Um, and the guys that we just named potential starters, it's not even close to shooting. That's atrocious. Um, so from that perspective, if he's going to be your guy in your future, I think you have to compliment him and put him in situations where he can thrive. And that's just not the way. Julius Randle being a guy he's kicking it out to if he's playing bully ball, like you mentioned, it's, it's, it's not going to work. Yeah. So from that perspective, I look at it like that more so than actually Julius and Mitch. Good points. Good, good points. Um, give me your your MVP pick. I'm gonna do a Wes Unsealed thing. <laughs> Rookie of the years, Ob and the MVP is gonna be Ob oh, Top. Okay, uh, okay. Ob Toppin is going to change things, man. I think he's going to give us that excitement. I think he's coming in with a sense of, you know, it's not a lot of pressure. I don't feel like it's pressure for Ob yeah. because everybody's talking about the Julius Randle thing. You're already cutting up some slack because of the short timing. Facts. I think you're going to come in and have opportunity as well. Again, like what I said about Austin Rivers, we don't have an all-star player or an all-star caliber player that you have to fall in line to. So if Obi is, is starting off in a groove, he's going to be our first option. Mm-hmm. Like who, who can really take the ball out of his hands uh, if he does start to thrive? And I think um, – He's so dynamic. You know, I agree with what you said. Uh, is There's more to Obi than just the dunks. I think he's an underrated passer. I think the pick and pop potential uh, with an R.J. Barrett can be special if he's knocking it down early. I think the vertical lob threat. And I think the, the thing about scores in NBA is they get easy baskets. The best scores mm-hmm. on any level 
are guys that can get easy baskets. Nobody's averaging 30 off, off all half-court scoring. You can, being able to get dunks and layups, uh, get free throw attempts, he's going to be a guy that can do that from day one, and I think he's going to put up some numbers for us. Good points. Uh, uh, what about you, man? Who's your, who's your MVP pick? It's Obi Toppin as well because <laughs> of everything that he just said, man. Like he's also the, he's also like like we drafted him, right? The hype behind him. He's not only going to be a highlight reel. He's already talked about. It. He's got the passing ability. He's such a dynamic offensive threat. We don't have an offensive dynamic threat on this team. So Oof. and the NBA the NBA is offensive driven. So. It's just that it's just that easy lane for Obi just to like walk into for the Knicks to be the guy who's going to be consistent for us, give us the points that we want to see, give us some flashes here and there with some like really just high powerful dunks. And I just is this the stage is just really set for him for this team. Like it's just it just has to be Obi. <laughs> you you guys are disrespecting my guy, man. I'm go, I'm going off the grid. I'm going back to Julius, man, because y'all y'all forgot all about it. <laughs> I'm going back to Julius Randle. 20 and 10 does not grow on trees. Right now, he's still your best player until Obi proves otherwise. He's still your most productive offensive player. Like it or love it. Like it or not. You know what I mean? Whether or not he, he makes his teammates better, that's it's more than likely not. But you're still going to need it. You're still going to need that offense when RJ's out there struggling, when you have Peyton or DSJ out there building bricks. You're going to need Julius's offense to, to even keep him halfway in the game. Now, how they win the game in the stretch or how they execute down the stretch, that's a whole other story. But I think for the better part of, of three quarters, Julius Randle is still going to be a most productive option on the offensive end. And at the end of the day, until they come to the day where they actually have a deal on the table to trade him, he could be here for the whole year. And And if he is... Again, I don't know how they handle that dynamic with him and Obi. They do do they do the three and the four thing is going to be a disaster. Four and the five is going to be a disaster. You're going to need Mitchell or Noel out there for sure. So I think it's easier for them to bring Obi along slowly. Like P said, there's no pressure on him. You can still bring him along slowly. He's going to keep it humble. You keep Randall happy. You build up his trade value. And if if it comes a time at the deadline when a team is is you know needs a four. They need a four for depth or, or they're desperate for a starter. Then maybe you could get that trade. But I think until then, I don't think it will serve him well to just throw him on the bench. I think he's still going to be featured. And you got to hope, as what Ashley said earlier, that under Tibbs, he, he becomes a, a more selfless player, um, gets his teammates more involved, maybe looks to score a little bit less and play make a little bit more, and also gets it in on the defensive end. I'm going with Julius, man. MVP. I'm I'm going to go against the grain here because I don't like how you guys are disrespecting my guy. I'm going R.J. Barrett. I'm going <laughs> R.J. Barrett because I feel like his trajectory from last season is just going to continue, you know, towards the end of the season, towards the end of the pause, should I say, rather. You really started to see him get better, and I think that that is a trend that's going to continue into this season. I think that he is still has the potential to be one of the best players that we have on this team. I think that he is currently probably one of the best players that we have on the team yes he has a lot of work that he needs to do but I think we're going to see a lot better shooting from RJ I think we're going to see a lot better three-point shooting from RJ I think he's even going to get better defensively I think he knows like you guys you know spoke about earlier all eyes are on him and he knows that people have been talking and they know that he knows that people have not been happy with his performance and it's really been 
kind of undermining what people have anticipated that he was going to give us when, you know, he got to the franchise, when he got to the organization. And I think that that's really weighing on him. And sometimes when you have that chip on your shoulder, it produces, you know, pressure makes diamonds. And I think that this is the year that RJ Barrett's really going to show us what he can do. And I think he's going to go off this season. You know, you don't have that pressure of having to perform in front of the crowd and perform in front of, you know, perform at Madison Square Garden. You don't have the pressure of having to go to the playoffs. I think we're really going to see him become the player that I know he can be. I'm not giving up on RJ just yet. And I don't like how you guys are disrespecting my man. <laughs> don't disrespect my man. <laughs> All right. You put your name in the RJ ring. Listen, not a bad idea. Listen, I, I would love to see RJ step it up and be that guy. Of course, that that means great things for the Knicks. You know, if we, if we know that one of our core is a guy that we can really rely on and build with as a building block going forward, uh, I think that would be a great thing. So um, definitely would love to see it. Let's go back to the phones. Chris from Long Island. Chris, how you feeling, man? I'm doing good, CP. Um, I'm really interested to see how the Knicks are going to play tomorrow night versus Pistons. I mean, do you have any thoughts about that? Like, are the Knicks actually going to win who their lineup will be? Yep, um, appreciate the call, man. You know, Tibbs has said that he's he's not sure. I'm not sure if Mitch made any hints about it in his Instagram story. I don't know what it means. But Tibbs has said he, he's not so sure what the lineup is going to be. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Nine months off. You got a Piston team with, with D. Rose taking young Killian Hayes under his wing. I'm interested in actually seeing how Killian Hayes looks to see if he's going to make me regret not picking him uh, with, with that eighth pick or... or him not slipping to the Knicks with the eighth pick. You know, Pistons also got Blake Griffin coming back. They got Jeremy Grant and, and their power forward army. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes, man. Pete, Pete have you given any thoughts to tomorrow's game? I'm just happy to see basketball back, bro. I'm just happy to see basketball. Um, if D. Rose plays any significant minutes, I'll be happy to see that too. Yeah. Always supporting Pooh and D. Rose. So, um I mean, to me, it's just a preseason game. I don't, I don't put too much onto those games, mm-hmm. but I'm happy to have basketball back. But I'm not, I'm not going to take too much from it. Um, maybe the starting lineup will will reveal what we'll get, and that'll be something to take from it. Uh, but other than that, I'm not putting too much onto it, man. It's just preseason. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not putting much into it. Al, Ashley, what do you guys think? Yeah, same. You know, I don't put much of the preseason on any team. I don't care if it's the Los Angeles Lakers. I think mm-hmm. preseason is just a way to work out the kinks. And again, this is going to be a quick turnaround. We've never seen an offseason quite like this. This is a very quick turnaround, especially for the teams that went far in the bubble. I think you're not going to see a lot from some of the bigger names. I think they're going to kind of work them in slowly, gradually. I think this is really just to see kind of where everyone is. Um I've spoken to a lot of coaches. You know, I spoke to Ty Lue. I've spoken to Spolstra. I've spoken to a few other coaches in the league. And they're really just seeing where their guys are currently. That really has been also the trend in a lot of mini camps. We just want to gauge where everyone is at. A lot of these guys were exhausted. The turnaround, like I said, was very, very quick. And the goal is just to gauge everyone's individual space, where they are, and how we can eventually get everybody on the same page. So don't expect a blowout. Don't expect a clean game. You're probably going to see a lot of sloppy basketball. Even when the season starts, I think you can expect to see a lot of sloppy basketball. Yeah, 100%. It's it's just the nature of the beast. Same thing, you know, with the NFL. No offseason, no training camp. You're just going to see a lot of sloppy, sloppy basketball. And, you know, be okay with it. It's part of the process. 
But we will be back tomorrow night with all the overreactions to the game because you know it's going to be a ton of them. (laughs) Win or lose. Fire this dude. Trade this dude. Cut this dude. Start him. And so, yeah, we're looking forward to all of it, man. Post Game Live is back, so make sure you guys keep it locked to Knicks Fan TV for sure after the game. And we'll be taking all the caller reactions to it all. All right, a couple more calls before we wrap. Let me uh let me hear from Ari. Ari, what's going on, bro? Hey, what's up, CP? What's up, uh, Ashley, Alex, Pierre? What's up, guys? What up? Um, going on, Ari? That caller, Chris. I, I I like that caller, Chris. He actually always makes good points. So, a lot of people in the chat are, you know, are, are not even close to as intelligent as Chris is. So yeah, it's um, my guy. Salute to Chris for, some for of the sure. Some people in the chat are just pathetic. 100%. So um, I'm on Team Chris, but um. Besides that, uh, you know, CP, did you say Randall going to be the MVP of the team? Is that what you said? <laughs> look, 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 look. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got, we got to be realistic here. First of all, I still think this is going to be a 20-something win team. So MVP is, is a, should be a loose, loose MVP, right? This is still going to be a rough season. But all I'm saying is, this is going to be your offensive workhorse until Obi establishes himself. I think RJ has a ways to go to improve on his shot that you can rely on him on. I still think they'll, they'll go to him in, in, in closing time, which I'd love to see. And, and I do think he'll improve. But I think Julius, you know what you're going to get right off the bat from day one. And, he, and he's going to go and he's going to get you his 19 and 9. He's yeah, going to be a bull like out there. Of course, all of that. You're going to get you're going to get the all the bad with all of that. But I'm going to all I'm saying is that you you still need that production because a lot of it is going to be hard to come by. They're going to have a hard time scoring points. So I'm just being realistic. No, 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 no. All right, all right. I, I, I get it. I mean, I'm with Ashley. I think RJ Barrett. I mean, listen. It all goes about with Tibbs. What 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 Tibbs wants, right? Is he going? However, he builds whoever he runs the offense through, and whoever he makes the main guy is going to be the guy who's going to be the get, I guess get the most like you know praise and be the quote unquote MVP. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know whoever he says it is, it is. But you know I think this is an indictment. Like listen, I, I think um, Leon Rose did a good job not overpaying people, getting shooters in. He had a good draft, but I think it's a very bad move that he has Julius Randle on the team going into the beginning of the season. Yeah. Because he doesn't fit into the long-term plans, right? He doesn't fit into the long-term plans. He is only going to take touches away from RJ and Obi. He's only going to hinder Obi's growth, right? Because he's going to like, you know, he's, he's going to take more time for Obi to get more playing time, and like, he's just going to take a lot of his playing time, a lot of his touches. Like, I just think it's, I think it's, I think it's an indict, I, I think it's an indictment against Leon Rose that he couldn't move this guy before the beginning of the season. You know, it's true to tango. Maybe he's trying to boost his trade value and. No, there is there is no trade value. I mean, appreciate it, bro. I mean, there's no trade value to really enhance. I I think they know what they have. It's two two parties at a trade table, right? The party that wants to trade the guy, the party that wants him. If if nobody wants him, they can't trade him. I don't think (laughs) ideally they wanted to go into this, you know, with Julius Randle and and Obi at, at the four. So... You know, they, they're they just going to have to make it do what it do, man. That, that's all I can really say. And that, that's all I can really say. Um, we went through our sleepers. I, I think we did. I think we both picked quickly. Me and Ashley picked quickly. Al, yeah. who, who's, who's your sleeper you. pick? My sleeper pick? Yeah. My sleeper pick is going to be Kevin Knox. Oh, okay. Um, all right. 
Yeah. I think he's going to take... And this is not to say like he's going to be like in the starting lineup or mm-hmm. anything like that. I think we're just going to see him make a, a consistent, like be a consistent player that we want him to be. Just be a good, solid rotational player. That's the sleep. It's that X factor that you want out of somebody. It's like okay, I know I'm going to get out of Kevin Knox. He had a, another guy just like off the rail season last year. You had Miller who was coaching for his job after we lost Mook. He couldn't even get minutes. You saw that he just didn't have the confidence like in him every single game. And you hear from Tibbs right now. You hear Tibbs saying. Knox came in in great shape. You're telling you're, he's uh, Tibbs is also saying that he's knocking down shots when he's like in the groove. So I think Knox is getting his confidence back. He's got Kenny Payne there to help him too. So I can only see him with a solid coaching staff and people who are pushing him, which is I think I forget who wrote it, but it it, it really just encompassed Knox needing that type of uh, coaching that just pushes you and not be buddy buddy like Fisdale was. So. Yeah. That's why I got Knox as like a sleeper. I think we're going to see Knox be a consistent player this season. He's another player. This is a perfect situation for him. They surrounded him with his guys. He's got his Kentucky guys. He's got his coach, his mentor. Um, this is it for Kevin. I, I agree with you. I think it, it can't get any worse. You know what I mean? Just like RJ shooting. I think Kevin for Kevin can't get any worse. And as I said on Sunday, he he he, he looks good in camp. His coach came out and said the same. Again, confidence is going to be a big factor with him. And I think for him, you know, he's got to knock down those threes, especially the wide open ones. He's got to prove to be a good floor spacer out there. He has length. He has athleticism to be a much better defender, much more consistent defender. I'm interested in seeing how, you know, Tibbs as as a coach really gets him to, to lock in defensively. And, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm very much interested in seeing how, how Kevin Knox looks this season as well, for sure. Uh, P, where are, you, where are you going with your sleeper pick? Alec Burks, man. Alec nice. Burks. Um, you know, I think at some point, depending on how our point guards play, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a starting point guard at some point. If Thibs got, you know, just got pissed off with, with all of our guards. Right. I think Alec Burks is an underrated basketball player. Uh, a lot of people are surprised how he handles you know, the point guard position when he does get minutes there. But he came into the NBA as a point guard. You know, at Colorado, he was a six six big point guard. And everywhere he goes, he just plays good basketball. He's always a smart. He always killed the Knicks. I always killed the Knicks for sure. Um, and I just feel like he, it's nothing he really can't do offensively. Uh, it's like a three-level score. Shoots a three pretty well. Mid-range game. Uh, has enough handle to get to the rim and finish. Uh, as you mentioned, he, his draw his uh, draw and foul rate is, is ridiculous. One of the best in the league. Um, and he's a veteran. He kind of he's savvy, you know, to say the least. I just think Alex Berg, Alec Burks is a good good player. Um, and I think he's probably going to play himself up to get traded at the deadline, something like definitely. that. But, um, I don't want to get too attached, but I'm definitely um, – he's definitely a sleeper. Uh, and I also want to say Miles Powell. If he gets any opportunity, I think he can play like a Alonzo Trier type role where mm-hmm. like he comes out of nowhere and everybody's like, damn, he can score the basketball. But it just depends on how much opportunity he actually has. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll see because um past couple of days they did make some roster moves. Jacob Evans got cut. They also picked up a couple guys on Exhibit 10 contracts. They picked up um, Scal Labissieri out of Kentucky. Also played for um, the Blazers and the Kings most recently. Um, They also picked up James Young, former uh, player out of the Celtics camp. So they picked up a couple of guys. Evans is cut. Right now, they're, they're at their 15. They're at their 15 guaranteed slots. You have Miles Powell. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Scal Lebesieri, James Young, Andrew White. They also picked back up Andrew White, who was on their Summit League team um, last year. So they have a couple guys on Exhibit 10s. 
They have the 15 fully guaranteed. If they wanted to make a extra spot for either Powell or Kid Gilchrist, they got to cut somebody else on the roster. So that could be Iggy. That could be Omari Spellman as well. So uh, interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how they how they manage that of, roster going in. What do you think, bro? A lot of Kentucky blue, man. That's right. A lot of Kentucky blue. <laughs> I, I still think Kid Gilchrist gets in. I don't. The Iggy Hive don't want to hear it, but I still think Kid Gilchrist gets in, and I think you may need Spellman for depth if you end up trading Julius throughout the season. So, uh, going to be interesting to see how, how that all uh, plays out for sure. I call him the Kentucky Knicks. Kentucky what, what, Knicks. What would Kid Gilchrist do for us, bro? I just think. I just think. <laughs> Tibbs likes those vets, man. I think he likes those vets with a defensive mindset. He's going to be New York Bricks, 100%. I, I'm not a fan, of, to, to, to tell you the truth, but I just think he's a Tibbs type of guy that Tibbs wants to have around. A guy that can practice with the team, make it tougher on the young guys. He might not play, but, I mean, look, look, at, look at the division, Pete, and look at the roster. Look at the dogs you got in, in, in Kevin Durant. Siakam, all the wings, all the wings in Toronto look like he play like Siakam. You you have Ben Simmons, you have um Tatum Brown, you know. DP, I think... I'm, I'm gonna be honest, man. Kid Kid Gilchrist isn't doing anything with those folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying he's gonna. I'm not saying he's gonna lock him down. I'm Nobody. Not... You know, so I mean, we just might as well not even give a <laughs> Don't even bother, right? Just give it to Miles Powell, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we might as well. I, I yeah. think the only value he has is if you're going to play him at like a center. I mean, if I'm being honest with you, I, I just don't see it. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. The veteran presence, Kentucky, yeah. will, he'll push you around in practice. He may elbow, will be topping a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I got hope for him. I'm just saying I could see him being a Tibbs guy. But we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll certainly see how it goes, man. Um, so to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Last call of the night is going to go to my guy, Max from the Bronx. Max, how you feeling, bro? Hey, guys. How y'all doing tonight? Good, bro. What's going Hi. on? Good. How you doing? Uh, what's up, Ashley? Um, Hi. Hi. <laughs> Listen, when I I heard the good things you guys said about Julius, and you know I have to disagree because Mr. Spin move, he don't pass the ball, and that, that's a big problem for me. So him and Dennis, I'm out on because Dennis, it was it wasn't about he didn't he didn't try last year, and that's a problem for me. Yeah. So the four key players I have that I think the Knicks need to focus on is one RJ Barrett. So. You know, I'm watching your stuff on YouTube, like the live stream and all that. Mm. And you guys forget that he dominated Paul George, who's supposed to be a good defender, right? He dominated him that game. Yeah, he played well that he game. Also dominated, he also dominated Tucker that game in, when they played in the Garden. Yeah. They beat him. So, RJ can't shoot, right? He can't shoot. He's at, you, you said all the shooting percentages. He had the worst facing you could ever have. And he still averaged 14 points. So logic would tell you that he's pretty hard working. He's gonna he's gonna raise his game. So look for RJ for a breakout year. I also look for um, Kevin Knox. Now I think we all like the idea of Kevin Knox. It's just that I don't know what happened. Like from his rookie year, it was cool, and then the second year they just didn't play him, and then he lost confidence, and all this stuff started to happen. 
So I think the Knicks' most important players, which we're either going to go up or down. So we either might be trending towards like a Denver direction where we're like, oh, man, we got a bunch of young guys that are pretty good, or we're going to have to focus more on the draft. So it's RJ, it's Knox, it's OB, and probably, well, I want to say Mitch. Mitch is obvious, but I want to see quickly. I want to see quickly get in a lineup. I actually want to see quickly Burks, RJ, those yeah. three in a yeah. lineup. So RJ, you know, RJ can facilitate and find quickly wide open. And you know, Tim said quickly's one of the best shooters. Period. So I want to see that. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I agree with you 100. percent And and that's why that three spot is going to be very interesting, especially for Kevin Knox, with the four being kind of jammed up with uh, Ob and 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 Randall. You know, that three spot, do they go with a three-guard lineup, Pete? You know, you could go a lot of different variations. You could go Rivers, RJ, Frank. You could go RJ, uh, Burks, quickly, as Max said. There's a lot of options that they have there that I think will definitely help them in terms of spacing the floor and getting some good three-point shooting out there. Definitely. Um, he got to chill, though, man. RJ Barrett is not dominating, Paul. His, his, he's using that dominating word a little <laughs> Don't disrespect my guy. <laughs> hey, he, hey, he played well. You. He played well that clipping game, man. Give him credit. I, I, I think RJ is the easy pick. I think it's a safe pick. He's a third overall pick. They're going to put him in every situation to not fail. Like, of course. Like, yeah, he's average for it. They're never going to let him fail completely. They're going to put him in every situation to succeed. But I don't know, man. I don't want us to get our hopes up too high. I'm just saying it's yeah. not RJ, essentially. It's the roster built around him. We just don't have yeah. enough to compliment him, and I don't want—I don't want my fellow Nick fans to get their hopes up I for something him. that might be inevitable. He might not have—I don't think he's a bad player at all. I think he has all-star potential, but until we properly put pieces around him, it's mm-hmm. going to be hard. I think optimism. the one that doesn't get brought up is the name Ashley brought up earlier, Reggie Bullock. He, Reggie Bullock can shoot the ball, yep. so we're going to have to find a way to put him on a court with RJ because, other than that, we don't really have anybody that's shooting the ball really lights out. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think RJ is going to, it's going to be 50-50 with him. It's going to be half his own development and what he's able to do in his own training and in his own development as a player, as a person, on and off the court, that's really going to help him get to the next level. But it's also up to the Knicks, you know, as they're in these rebuilding years to build around him. And I think that RJ Barrett has the potential to be the face of this franchise along with Obi Toppin. And I think if that is the direction the Knicks want to go in, I think that you need to build a roster around him where he can succeed. And right now we have not been doing that. That's kind of what you deal with when you're in those rebuilding years. But as we start to progress and we start to become more of a contender, hopefully, and we start to get more of a clear picture of what this team is supposed to look like, not just one season, but overall for many seasons to come, you really need to start looking into what players can you put around your faces of the franchise Mm -hmm. that can help them reach their maximum level of success. And I think, you know, we haven't been doing that, but that's, you know, the dice that you roll when you're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. We still have time, but I 100% agree with, agree with you. It's going to be half on RJ, but it's going to be half on the franchise to do right by him. Got to got to build it properly, man. But uh, yeah, I think so far, I think this year, again, they, they're trying to do it lean. They're doing it on the margins and we'll see how it pans out. We'll see how it pans out, but hopefully he takes, takes another step. Um, Real quick before we wrap, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about the um, the Harden stuff in terms of maybe the Knicks can get involved 
you know, from a salary standpoint. Now, you know, a lot of people are DMing me like, CP, can we get hard? And I'm like, nah, probably not, fam. I don't, I don't think so. But maybe maybe we could give him some money to, you know, get it get it done. But I don't know, a lot of harder rumors flying around, man. Where do you, um, where do you guys think he ends up? I feel like the Seventy um, Sixers. Yeah, yep. oh, you can go. Yeah, I, was, I feel no. like the Seventy Sixers yeah. is going to be the the number one option. Number two for me would probably be the Nets. Seventy Sixers just because you got Daryl Morey there. They got the assets to do it. You can trade Ben Simmons for Harden. I feel like that would be you know the most comparable swap that the team could do to get Harden up. I percent agree with that. Um, my actual two teams though are the Seventy Sixers and Miami. I don't think Brooklyn. Had, I know Brooklyn would be the ideal situation for Harden, but remember basketball is a business and Houston has the ball in their court. And I just don't think Brooklyn has the pieces that equal a James Harden type player. I don't think he's going to Milwaukee. So if there's any Bucks fans in here, sorry, it's not happening. Um, it's just not. I think the 76ers would be the most ideal just because they have the most to offer that would equal a player of James Harden, James Harden's status. The only thing is, you know, I don't know if they'd be willing to part with Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, at least not in the beginning of the season. I think that you would start seeing any movement if it does happen around the All-Star break, which is in March this year. Um, I think, you know, if Ben Simmons, you know, there are rumors that he's not, the 76ers are not willing to trade him, but, you know, the Rockets, and the Wizards trade went through after they said that they, the Wizards said that they weren't going to trade John Wall. So you never really know. Um, Miami, though, I just don't think he fits with the culture. And when the rumors first started circulating, you know, I asked a few people in the Miami Heat organization, and that was the consensus among everybody I spoke to was how does he fit into this culture that we have established in Miami? And a lot of great players can't necessarily play in that culture. It's the conditioning is one of the hardest tests in the NBA. Pat Riley runs a very tight ship. There are no superstars. Everybody is a team player. It's one of the reasons LeBron ended up leaving. He could not, you know, deal with the fact that this was not your team. We don't care what you have to say. I am the president. Spolstra is the coach. You are a player. And a lot of guys are not okay with that. I also just don't think that they'd be willing to part with Tyler Hero and some of the other guys that they would have to give away for somebody of James Harden's age he is 31 years old you know what I mean and Mm -hmm. that may not be old old but it's definitely outside of those basketball prime years and I don't know if you'd be willing to trade away a core group of guys a young core group of guys for somebody whose championship window is not as big as it was five years ago now James Harden was five years younger absolutely make that trade you know James Harden player type caliber player comes around once in a lifetime but he is 31 so that is something that any team that trades for him because you're going to have to give up a lot for James Harden. Simple as that. If you want him, you got to give up a lot. Any team who trades for him has to put that in consideration. His age is a big factor. P, I, this is this is a difficult trade to to um, to gauge, man. I don't know where where the bid is going, bro. What do you think? Well, um, like they said, Philadelphia has to be on the list, but um, just like Ashley said, I don't think Daryl Morey is going to be willing to trade Ben or. Yeah. Well, at least not yeah. right now. I, yeah, I don't see it either. I don't see it either. But go ahead. The first thing he does on his job, one of the first things is trade Ben Simmons. I I, I don't see that. Um, you know, I, I really think he's going to go to a team that we don't know. I think it's going to be some that. random thing because Houston has to feel disrespected. They've given him everything he's asked for. So I really don't think they're going to legitimately hear what he cares or, hey, I want to go here. So let's yeah. go. Let's do right by hard. And I don't think they care at this point. It'll be who can give you who can give you the best package. Um, me personally, I would love to see James Harden um, in, in South Beach, Ocean Drive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, 
I know a lot of mm-hmm. ladies in South Beach that would love to have him there as well. Such a giver, we know. got enough problems, P. Don't send him down here. We're trying. They're trying. They're trying to build a championship team here. Do not send James Harden down here with Listen, you know Kale and Tootsie down the That may be the missing piece. Don't that do it. That may be the missing piece. If you got to trade Hero, Riley will trade Hero, man. That's one thing about Riley. Well, if he feels like they're close, he'll he'll move anything. That's yeah. what I want to hear. Except for Bam. Except for Bam. I don't. I don't. Oh, Bam yeah. is off the table. Hundred percent. Yeah. How? How? Yeah. What's the Tyler Hero thing like? So Tyler Hero, you know, I spoke to, you know, when in the beginning of the offseason, there were two players that Tyler Hero would be on the table for, and that was Giannis and Bradley Beal. Um, There have been reports, you know, the James Harden rumor has been around for a while, weeks. You know, Shams, I know, reported it today, but it's been around in Miami for a while. Um, Tyler Hero is not included in any of the trade packages that Miami is willing to entertain for James Harden. And the thing is, is Pat Riley has a love-hate relationship with rookies. You know, Dwayne Wade was a rookie, but that is D Wade. You know, you don't come across a D Wade every single day. So he's not in the business of developing rookies like I think some other coaches are. But I don't think he's willing to part with a group of guys who he is working continuously and effort and and just every single day to develop and build a championship caliber team. And I think they're one piece away. I would love to see Bradley Beal in Miami. I think that's the piece that they're missing. Obviously Giannis would be the big fish, the white, the white whale, if you will, will, but we've been, you know, Heat fans have been chasing after Bradley Beal for seasons. So I don't think you trade for a James Harden, what you need to trade him for, you know, it's just too much. If it were, like I said, Five years ago, I would say trade the house for him. You know, a talent like James Harden, he would have been 26 at the time, 27, does not come around. But he is 31 years old. And I don't know how, one, he fits in the culture, like I said. And two, is what is that championship window? When you think about it, what is your window right to now. win with James Harden? Right now. For him. They got Jimmy it's, and they, right they got Bam. But would they be able to work together is the question. Because if you trade the house, essentially you'd be trading a lot. It'd be Tyler Hero. It'd be Kendrick Nunn. It would probably be Duncan Robinson. It'd probably be Kelly Olenek. They they got to keep one of the three-point shoes. One of the – they would probably have to – they would keep James Harden. They got to keep – yeah, I mean, if I don't know if Houston would allow it. But see, I think I that's, that overall, that's a problem. I, I don't think there's a viable package out there for Houston. You got to think about Fertitta. He's a businessman, lost a ton of money on COVID. He already has John Wall there. He's investing a ton of money in. I can't see Simmons. You're going to bring the two of them there. You know, the Philly trade doesn't really make sense because I don't think Doc is going to be wanting to part with Embiid or Simmons. I think Doc is keen on building with them and seeing what they have and seeing if he could take them over the hump. So uh, I'm that's not sure. Gabby. Brooklyn, Brooklyn low key has a nice package. They might have the best package. Probably, yeah. With like Spencer, I'm Harris, hating, I'm Burr, hating, but I don't. Harris, yeah. I mean, that's the best. That's you're it. Be able to that's really um, it. For, for James Harden, though. I mean, yeah. are you going? You going to keep him, and he's not going to ever show up or cause dysfunction? Yeah. I think your best bet is if KD and Kyrie around March again that All Star break if they cannot play together and you are not where you want to be as the Brooklyn Nets because again Kevin Durant coming off an Achilles injury is is up there in age too if you are not where you want to be I would not be surprised if Kyrie Irving is included in a trade package that sends oh. to Houston and <laughs> no. and James Harden to be reunited with Kevin Durant. And Brooklyn. KD's not going to sell out Kyrie that fast. Yep. 
I don't think he will. I think the franchise will know that it's just not Maybe. working. And when you have a player of Kevin Durant's statue and, and he is coming off an injury, he's 33 years old, 34 years old, I think. Yeah. You don't have much time to win with him. And if you're trying to win, you got to do it fast. And in order to do that, if it's not working and it's not working right away, you got to strike while the iron is hot. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I think James Harden plays this season in Houston. I don't oh, think yeah. you see any movement from him this year. The Rockets just don't have to trade him. They're chilling. Yeah. They don't need they don't to do to. anything. They don't. And also, like, I think we're missing the point is, yes, it does put a bad taste in players' mouth when a, when a player demands a trade and he's stuck for a season. But on the other side of the spectrum, it does put a bad taste in a franchise's mouth when you have two years, two and a half years left on your contract and you demand a trade. So it's it, it can go either way. I don't know who's going to come out the winner of this. I don't. Oh, man. Interesting problems, Al. You know, right now we, we the Knicks. We're just trying to win a game. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're just trying to win a game. But, um, no, nah, great show. I thought this, this was definitely a great panel. Um, Knicks preseason kicking off tomorrow night. Back in the building after a nine-month layoff. Great job, everybody. P, go ahead and um, sign out, man. Let them know where they can find you. Find me on Twitter, P with a plug. Uh, Instagram, P with a plug, H-O-H. Um, House of Highlights YouTube, podcast through the wire, Tuesdays and Saturdays. Um, Bleach Report app with, you know, all family. H-O-H, Bleach Report. Killing uh, for being here again. Uh, Alex, Ashley, CP, great working with y'all. Um, and go Knicks, man. Go Knicks. Yes, sir. Ashley, let them know where they can find you. You guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ash Nicole Ma. Al, the Tratacaster guy, bro. <laughs> yep. Uh, so you guys can follow me at Tratacaster101 on Twitter. You can find my pieces over at Hoops Habit. And you can go find the podcast, Knicks, Jets, etc. On all... I know it's the Jets. I know it's the Jets stuff, Pete. Don't worry. I know. You can find it on all listening platforms, all right? Ashley... P, CP, it was great working with you. Yes, sir. Absolutely great work with you guys. And so to everybody in the chat who came through, over 2,000 people in the chat. Hit that thumbs up button for you boys. You guys already know. I think we're creeping up on uh, 1,000 likes. Let's get to 1,000 likes in the chat before we get out of here. Definitely want to appreciate the panel for coming on. Uh, remember, this show is available in audio podcast format, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon Alexa, Stitcher. On the Knicks Fan TV, you can't miss it even if you missed the video. Um, tomorrow night, Knicks versus Pistons. Let's go. Preseason kickoff. Let's get it going. I'll be back for the post-game show with my man JL from Nick Time Show. Let me just salute some of the super chats that came in. Kurt Cobain says, shout out CP and crew. Something is up with Mitch. Kurt Cobain always sending us some super chats from heaven, man. Definitely appreciate it. Louis B says, uh, just want to say thank you for the great coverage. During a long off-season, enjoy all the shows, awesome interviews. Let's enjoy the season. Smash that thumbs up button for you boys. Salute Louie. Definitely appreciate you. Jules Walker sends a 5,000 won. We heavy in South Korea. Chill on Mitch. He's a good kid. He hasn't gotten in trouble after living in NYC for two years. Um, yeah, I think Mitch is going to be all right, man. I think uh, I think people kind of overreacting to the Mitch thing. He'll be all right. Michael Parker, number one fan of the show, says, Salute Knicks Nation. Salute to the panel. Salute to Taya Clay, my guy out in San Antonio. Says if DSJ knocks RJ, exceed expectations, will win 30 plus games. OB icing on the cake. Book it. Don't sleep. RC Creative, appreciate it. <laughs> Tiger Style, appreciate it. 
he says, I'm so hyped, I can't even stand to listen to that bum Robert Randolph. <laughs> Friday night, Knicks is back. Eric Booker, appreciate it. Eric, much appreciated. Uh, Tatum757, appreciate it. Um, he says, DSJ will have a bounce back here. Knox will be a beast, though. All right. Got your open says, long time podcast listener, finally catching live. Keep up the excellent work. Appreciate you guys. So we'll see you guys tomorrow night. Knicks versus Pistons post game live. Keep it locked, Knicks Fan TV. Hit that thumbs up on the feed, boys, one more time. Peace.